Proverbs 15 tonight. Look at verse number 11. And uh, boy, I, I love my Bible tonight, amen. And the most important thing we're going to hear tonight, we're fixing to hear it. Preacher, you must got something real good to say. No, I just got something real good to read. <laughs> it's my Bible. I'm thankful that I have a word from the word. And uh, boy, it got real in my office this afternoon, studying, preparing for tonight. I mean, I'm talking about it got real good. I about, I about rode that Christmas tree like a bowl. I got so excited in my study, uh, my time of study. But look at Proverbs 15, verse number 11. You're going to read that verse by, whoa, how'd you get excited, preacher? Look at verse 11. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more than the hearts of the children of men? A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. How many of y'all ladies, that verse sounds a little familiar. Not the same one that Miss Becky taught on just a couple days ago, but it's similar. Look at verse number 14. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is dinner of herbs where love is than a star and a hatred therewith. Verse 17, that beginning part of it was mine and Miss Becky's life verse when we got married. All we had was love. <laughs> and a little dinner here and there, amen. We were just talking about that the other day. I said, you remember when well, we first got married and what I brought home from working at Sonic and how in the world did we survive? She said, yeah, you bring home your paycheck and say, all right, who are we going to eat dinner with tonight? <laughs> Amen. Back when Bilo had the uh, family meal deal. We didn't have a family yet, but we bought it because it was cheap. Amen. <laughs> but let's pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, for this evening. Thankful for another opportunity, Lord, to be in the house of God. And just thank you, Lord, for a church that is, Lord, desiring to get involved in missions. And, Lord, no doubt we can pray. And no doubt, Lord, we can encourage. And no doubt, Lord, we can bring these needs and requests, Lord, before you. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, we can also put hands and feet, God, to the opportunity to get involved. We're so grateful tonight, God, you have blessed the means to do it. We're, we're able to give out of abundance, Lord, and I couldn't think of a better place to put it, a better person to invest it in, a better person, Lord, just to Lord, just encourage, Lord, and take a weight off and take a burden off, Lord. You know the needs, and Lord, I'm just thankful, Lord, for dealing with my heart, Lord, and leading and guiding and directing. I pray, Lord, tonight that you take what we've read and what we've uh, gone through in the scriptures tonight. Lord, let it be a help to us this evening. Lord, make your word real clear to our hearts tonight, Lord. And Lord, we still need wisdom. We're still searching, and Lord, we're still desiring. Lord, we haven't figured everything out yet. And Lord, you just help us. God, give us the wisdom that we need for the hour that we live in. Lord, we love and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So far, we'll... Been in Proverbs 15, now this will be our third week, and the first week we looked at the words of the wise and the foolish. We made a comparison between the two of them, and then last week we compared the works of the righteous and the wicked. 
Now tonight, I don't know if you caught on to it uh, tonight, but there was a word that was played over and said over and over again as we read through these uh, seven verses here, and we'll cover a couple more tonight, but it dealt with the heart. And I had originally, and uh, being the preacher that I am, I had alliterated of their words and their works and their wants. But in reality, God can, gives you and I a comparison here in Proverbs 15 of the hearts of these two separate groups, the wise and the unwise, the, the wicked and the righteous. Now let me ask you, now, have you ever compared your heart to someone else's? Have you ever been to the doctor and the doctor said, well, listen, your heart looks good, but let's compare it to your wife's. Or let's compare it to your children. Or let's compare it to your best friend. Or let's compare it to your pastor or your Sunday school teacher. Let's compare your heart to somebody. No, they don't do that. Well, your doctor ever said, now let me look at your heart and we're done. I'm going to compare it to my heart and we'll see which heart is better. Typically when you go into the doctor, they, they, they examine your heart and they, they compare it to a healthy heart and a non-healthy heart. And a lot of times when they bring up that comparison, they're trying to help you and I to realize that this is what our heart could be. And this is where our heart could also be if we don't change anything. If we keep doing what we're doing, we're probably going to head down this road. But if we put in some improvement, we change a few things in our life, here's what our heart could be. And we're talking about that in a physical sense, but spiritually tonight, it really doesn't benefit you and I to compare our hearts one to another. Is my heart better than yours? Or is your heart better than mine? Because we have to remember that when you and I begin to compare ourselves one to another, we are selling ourselves short from where we ought to be. Because our, not our idol, but our, our instructor tonight, our, the, the one that we are to guide our, our life by is the Lord Jesus Christ. God himself tonight is the marker by which we ought to compare our heart to. Is my heart like the Lord? Now let me ask you tonight, it's going to be a very rhetorical, did you know God had a heart? Let me ask you, how long into our Bible did we have to get to find out God has a heart? Preacher, I'm not sure. Well, this is, this is where the bull riding the Christmas tree all came to be. You don't have to wait until somewhere in the book of Psalms, here in the book of Proverbs, the minor prophets or the, the, uh, the, the major prophets or into the New Testament to find out that God has a heart. Matter of fact, you can take your Bibles quickly tonight, keep replacing Proverbs, but turn over to Genesis chapter number six. We don't make it six chapters into the Bible and find out that God has a heart. And here's an interesting thing. There's some Christians, so-called Christians, they'll say, well, you know, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, they're not literal history. They're, they're just uh, things that men have made up to try to explain about God and, and how, how we are the way we are. Can I just stand up tonight and say, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. I believe all the way from Genesis, all the way to the book of Revelation tonight is inspired. If God said it happened, it happened tonight. And I sure am glad that it happened because Genesis chapter number six tells you and I that God has a heart. 
Look at verse number six. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Wow. The first mention of the heart and with God is a grieved heart. Well, why was his heart grieved? Well, it's verse number five. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every imagination and the thoughts of his heart was evil. In essence, man's heart had traveled so far from the heart of God that what was in man's heart grieved God's heart. But look at verse number eight. But Noah found grace in the eyes of of the Lord. Now, a few weeks ago, we were talking about mind in the heart. The Bible says that our hearts are desperately wicked. They're deceitful. Who can know it? And we talked about how, how a lot of the times our heart's desire is to control our mind. That we are, you know, Disney tells you to follow your heart. But the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. So rather, it's taking our heart or taking our mind and helping our mind to control our heart to have it be where it's supposed to be. And so we see here in verse number six that God's heart was grieved, but what does God see in his eyes? He sees Noah who has responded to the grace of God. There is an input to the eye socket that is beginning to do a work in the heart of God. Now go to Genesis chapter number eight tonight. Look down at verse Number 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Let me ask you, is that an inlet or an outlet? When you, you're taking something in, aren't you? Boy, and sometimes that can be a real blessing. Miss Lola's been baking them pound cakes and stuff all day long. And she brought one to me right before service and it was still warm. And I, I'm probably going to preach real short tonight because I want to I get a bite of it, amen? I said, uh, I was talking to a pastor last night about, we we're talking about losing weight and all that kind of stuff. I said, it's real hard when your church members love you. Stop by, preacher, I just cooked you a whole banana pudding for yourself. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to eat it. But the Bible said that the Lord smelled a sweet say. Well, what smelled so good to the Lord? Look at verse 20. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Here is Noah who, who in the eyes of God has responded to the grace of God and now here is Noah sacrificing unto the Lord and bringing an offering to him and here comes that sweet savor uh, to the Lord, look at verse 120, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Genesis chapter number six, we see the grieved heart. Genesis chapter number eight, we see a gracious heart. And can I say tonight, you and I, yes, we know the Bible says that we ought to have a heart that is after God's heart. 1 Samuel 13, 14 said, told us about David. He was a man after God's own heart. But now in Genesis, we, we figure out and find out that God has a gracious 
heart. One that is full of grace. Which begs the question, how do I get a heart and have a heart like God? Go back to Proverbs 15 tonight. And we're given a recipe. We're given a plan. You go down to verse 33 of Proverbs 15. It says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. God has some instruction. How many have ever been to the doctor and he's giving you some instructions, giving you some things to do, not to hurt you, but to help you? And here in Proverbs 15 tonight, God gives us some instructions and he compares a healthy heart to an unhealthy heart. And when you say, well, preacher, how is God, does he really know my heart? We'll go back to verse number 11. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. Can I say those are some deep subjects? Those are some subjects tonight that you and I can't completely wrap our minds around. You and I tonight, we know what the Bible teaches about hell. We know how it's described in our Bibles. But you and I cannot fully comprehend what it's going to be like for all of eternity for somebody to suffer and to be separated from God. But God does. God knows the depth of that. He knows the depth of destruction. It's before the Lord. How much more than the hearts of the children of men? In essence, what the psalmist is giving us to understand is if God can understand the deep subject of hell and destruction, then he can understand our hearts. He knows where our hearts are, and he knows whether our hearts are healthy or they're unhealthy. Now, I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. God knows where your heart is. And tonight, you and I could do a self-evaluation, but sometimes we're really good at not telling ourselves the truth. But God will. And maybe tonight you just say, Lord, what kind of heart do I have tonight? Is my heart healthy or is it unhealthy? Now, tonight we're simply going to give you a few things that will help you determine this. And so tonight I've got two simple points. The first one is the unhealthy heart. I remember growing up, there was a man that became a national hero. His name was Lance Armstrong. He won, I think, seven back-to-back Tour de France's. And I remember being a, a young boy. I loved watching Sports Center. I still enjoy watching sports today. I mean, I, I can watch two guys compete at anything. And it just intrigues me. But I remember watching, and they did a special on Lance Armstrong on why he had won so many Tour de France's. And I remember they came out and they said that actually that Lance Armstrong was born with a heart that was, I think, 50% larger than the average human being. And it was because his heart was so much bigger, it could pump so much more blood and help in the circulation process. That's why he won all those Tour de France's. Just to find out that wasn't quite the case. Later found out that he was on steroids. Kind of find out his heart wasn't as strong or as good as everybody thought it was. And whether or not you accept unhealthy hearts come with symptoms. Right, you can shortness of breath, fatigue, dizziness. And the same is true in the Christian life. When our heart is not healthy, it comes with symptoms. 
It comes with things that you and I could use to diagnose our heart condition. We see in verse number 13 or verse number 12 tonight, we see there's a such thing as a scorned heart. Look at verse number 12. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him. Neither will he go unto the wise. That word scorn, it means to scoff. It means to mock. In essence, it's, it's hard in the sense that any kind of input, any kind of advice is instantly and completely shot down. You just don't know how bad I have it. You just don't know how difficult this is. You just don't know what I've been through. Can I say that may be a true statement? But anytime God puts somebody into your life with a heart of compassion who is trying to help you and trying to instruct you, one of the best things that you and I can do is listen. But the Bible says here that a scorned heart does not. In essence, and unfortunately tonight, I have to be real honest with you. You hang out around church long enough, even one as good as ours, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt because we are imperfect people. We're not always at our best. The best words aren't always coming out of our mouths. The best attitudes aren't always shown from our actions. And you hang out here long enough because we're people, you're going to experience hurt. My life has not been void of hurt. My life has not been void of difficult things. And the danger is that when we experience hurt, not at the hands of Christ, or not at the hands of the Holy Ghost, but at the hands of people simply being people, we have the danger of our heart becoming hard. And you say, preacher, well, I'd rather go through life with a hard heart than a heart that'll ever get hurt again. Can I just stop and say thank the Lord that Jesus was not that way? Our sin broke his heart, and yet he died for us. He could have very easily got a hard heart and said, I'm done with them. I, I gave them an opportunity, but he did not get a hard heart when he got hurt. Let me ask you tonight, is your heart hard? Is your heart hard? Because it's been hurt. There's a scorned heart. Notice not only was there a scorned heart, but there's a sorrowful heart. Or a sorrowing heart. Look at verse number 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Now, how many tonight, you could probably raise your hand and said, Preacher, I've had my heart broken. Amen. I've had my heart broken. Not physically. That thing that I got when I was born, it's still ticking in there. Thump, thump, thump. <laughs> but can I say, life has brought some moments in where my heart has been broken. Things didn't pan out the way I thought they should. People didn't do what I thought they ought to do. And it breaks your heart. Your children let you down. Your, your friends come up short. Your, your pastor doesn't, he doesn't meet the need every time and something breaks your heart. And we see right here that a sorrowful heart produces a broken spirit. There's, there may be some here tonight, you're doing your best to hide your broken heart. And the only person you're fooling tonight is yourself. It produces a broken spirit, an attitude, an outlook. Now, now here, it's a defeated countenance. There's a loss of hope. Now, tonight, what I'm, what I'm not saying is you ought to desire to become numb to those times. 
But we have to realize that there are going to come times in our life that, yes, our heart is going to be broken, but we do not mourn as those who have no hope. We like to take that verse and, and bring it at the truth out of it at the graveside and thank be to God tonight that that is a true thing that if someone has put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know where they are that when they're absent from the body, they're present with the Lord. But can I say if that is true at the graveside, that it's true in our life as well. The same hope that brings help at the graveside is the same hope that brings help in our everyday life. That I have a blessed Hope, the sorrowing heart. We ought to, we're going to go through difficult times, we, we, moments of sorrow and sadness, but we should not be people of sorrow and sadness. Why? We have a blessed hope. Do we see a sorrowing heart? We see a scorned heart. Verse 14, we see a saturated heart. Look at verse 14. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. The mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. Out of the abundance what speaks, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And if our hearts are saturated with foolishness, then we can't be surprised when foolish things come out of our mouth. Now, some of you, what was that Bible word I talked about in Luke chapter 2? Stricken. Some of y'all are stricken in years. That's not a polite way to say that, is it? <laughs> Some of you are well, well learned. There you go. <laughs> Some of y'all, I, was, I, was, I think I was in Salvation Army one day somewhere. I love going looking at the book section because if I can find a good Christian book for 75 cents, I'm not going to turn that thing down. Get a man or a man's life's wisdom for 75 cents is a pretty good deal. But I was going through there and they had them cookbooks. I don't think anybody owns cookbooks anymore because of Pinterest. But I found one and it was probably, you could tell by the design, published somewhere in the middle 70s, way before my time. And I got to look at it and it was a gelatin cookbook. Can I say, if you're cooking things and you put gelatin in it, it's probably going to be nasty. <laughs> I grew up, we ate jello. It came in a little snack pack. And, it, you know, if you, if you couldn't get that, you'd go to the store, you'd buy that little box. You'd boil that water up. You'd mix that stuff in there. You'd put it in the refrigerator and wait what seemed for like eternity to eat jello. But I got to, I got to flipping through that book, and I found some recipes that turned my stomach. Somebody had took one of those, those bunt cake pans and put like olives, celery, uh, broccoli. Some of them things by themselves would have been good. But they took all that into a pan and poured gelatin into it and let it set. <laughs> I couldn't help but think, no matter where you cut that thing, and no matter how you serve that to me, it ain't going to be no good. And don't get no ideas. Well, Pastor, you just had mine. <laughs> Here's the thing. When our hearts are saturated like that, it's just full of stuff that we know is no good. 
Bible calls it foolishness. In essence, there's a rejection of the truth there. And we fill our heart, and our hearts become saturated with that. Let me ask, what is your heart saturated with this evening? What things have you allowed down into your heart? And you know they're not good. You know they're not, they're not supposed to be. The Bible calls it like the, a root of bitterness. And it's congealed in that sense. And when everything that comes out of your heart produces a word or a phrase or an attitude you know you ought not to have. There's a saturated heart. Verse 27, there's a selfish heart. Verse 20, he that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. But he that hateth gifts shall live. There's a good verse for Christmas time. I got you a gift. Well, unless you know I hate it. <laughs> That's not in the proper context. <laughs> Be thankful for what people give you. But that verse is talking about don't come as an expectation. You have to give me something because of who I am or what I do. But he goes right here, he tells us that there's a such thing as a selfish heart. A greedy, y'all ever met someone who's greedy? They're just greedy. They go to the, they take all the samples from the Sam's Club. It's free, preacher. I know, share some with somebody. Right, yeah, yeah but they're, they're greedy. But I look that word up, it means to violently make gain. It means by taking advantage of somebody. Notice what the Bible said, he troubles his own house. There's been a lot of homes in America who've been troubled simply because the father became more consumed with money than he did with being a father. God did not give you a job to simply make money. He gave you a job to make a living. In essence, that job has a place and a purpose in your life, but it is not your life. It's not your calling. It's a place that God is giving you to, to make the necessary needs, to, to have a life, to produce with your family. Your greatest calling as a father is your wife and your children. Preacher, they, they, have, they have to have a better life than I have. Can I say I grew up in a, in a home where my dad, he, he worked and he worked and he worked and he worked so we could do things that he could not do when he was growing up. She grew up on a farm in the middle of Nebraska. There wasn't a whole lot going on to start with. He said, I don't, I don't want my kids to go through that and to, to be in and, and we had nice things and, and I got to do a lot of things. But looking back now as a, as a father myself and as, as a grown man, boy, I, I, if I could get back in a time machine, I would say, Daddy, stay home. It's okay if we don't have the nicest things okay if we don't get to go out to eat every night. It's okay. I would much rather spend time with you. We see that there's such thing as a selfish heart. That sometimes our hearts become greedy. Let me ask you tonight, do you have any non-negotiables when it comes to your gain? And essence, there are things that I'm not willing to give up even if it costs me a certain amount of gain. We see tonight there's an unhealthy heart. Let me ask you when, you, when you get real honest with your heart, or maybe the Holy Ghost has been doing the examining tonight, and you said, <clears throat> it's you right there. How's the preacher know that? I didn't. <laughs> I just tried my best to follow God. The Holy, Ghost, can I, the Holy Ghost pinpointed my heart this week. 
I was helping my wife. I'm almost done. <laughs> I was helping my wife clean up the house, and we had turned some preaching. We were listening to Brother Paul Chapel out there in Lancaster in, in uh, California. And he was preaching, I think, the New Year's Eve service prior to 2023, so almost a year ago. He was preaching to his church, and he had said some things. I said, that's good, that's good. And then he made a statement that the Holy Ghost ate me up with. He said, there's no such thing as plan B Christianity. And I was cleaning there in the, the, the house, in the bathroom, and I heard that statement. And the Lord brought back a statement that I had made. I don't know when I made it. But I've made it to a few people, and sometimes in jest. I said, if this whole preaching thing doesn't work out, I guess I'll just go back to building cabinets. And the Holy Spirit said, do you really want to go, do, go back to do that? Do you really think I can't take care of you and provide for you and to take care of the church? He said, why are you holding on to that? Now, I'm not, I'm not above that. I've got great respect for men who are bivocational. Who, where their area and their place that they're ministering in, it requires them to have a source of income outside of the church. If it came down to that, I'd be willing to go back. That was the need. But to step back and to say, Lord, you know, if this doesn't work, if God doesn't provide and God doesn't take, I guess I'll just go back to the cabinet shop. So I put that behind me. I said, Lord, I, I don't want to go back. Lord, I love what I get to do now. It doesn't compare to building cabinets. And Lord, I, I, I'm putting that behind me. There is no plan B to fall back onto. Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want, however you want, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. Preacher, where'd you make that commitment at? In the shower of our bathroom as I was cleaning it. And I said, I'm thankful when God deals with our hearts. Let me ask you tonight, has maybe the Lord dealt with your unhealthy heart tonight? Well, preacher, I, uh, God's dealt with some things about my heart tonight. And, and preacher, I'm going to get those things right, but could you please tell me what a healthy heart looks like? So notice number two tonight, a healthy heart. Now, I, I looked this up. I'm not, I'm not a cardiologist by any means. So what are some signs of a healthy heart? Well, it said that they'll have a steady heart rate. There's no great fluctuations in your resting heart rate. It's steady. It's content in the sense. And sometimes in our Christian life, don't we fluctuate? We're up and down, we're up and down. Why wow, our heart isn't settled? There's controlled breathing. Good energy levels throughout the day when you have a good heart. There's normal blood pressure. And I don't see how in the world that this ties in, but it's pretty interesting. They say if you have a healthy heart, you'll have good oral health. Well, if you have a healthy heart, what comes out of your mouth is pretty good. <laughs> and here's what we do, right? Instead of treating the heart, we treat the symptoms. My blood pressure's high, well, just give me medicine. My, my, my oral health isn't good, well, just take the teeth. My, 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 my energy levels aren't that great, well, just give me caffeine. And I thought it was interesting that really, we, we treat the symptoms God's saying, quit doing that. I'm not saying quit drinking coffee, but, but quit trying just to, to, to fix the, the outliers. And God's saying, I'm trying to fix your heart. 
Because if your heart gets healthy, it'll take care of all those other things. Spiritually speaking, there are signs and symptoms of a healthy heart. Verse 13 and 15, it'll be a merry heart. Look at verse number 15. We see a merry heart is how it's maintained. Look at verse 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. A continual feast. I, for one, would be in favor of every meal of every day being like Thanksgiving. Give me the spread. Give me the feast. I in Joy. I've never walked to a Thanksgiving dinner and said, man, I, I can't believe I, I've got to sit down at the table and eat this delicious food and, and to enjoy this wonderful time. I, why do I have to? Why did the pilgrims want to do this? No, I've approached it with a heart and said, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> Give me the sweatpants. It's fixing to go down. <laughs> Let me ask when it comes to your Bible reading, is that a feast to you? Or is it just a requirement? Preacher, I got to get through some chapters. I got to get through this thing in a year. Nothing against that. But sometimes you need to slow down and say, all right, Lord, I ain't putting this thing up until you, until you give me something to eat. I guarantee you he will. A merry heart's maintained by a continual feast. Then we see what a merry heart produces or what it manufactures. Look at verse 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Preacher, I try my best to, I, I just can't smile, preacher. I, I just can't be happy. I just can't, I, I, preacher, I try, I even try to hold my lips up and it doesn't work. Can I say the problem's not with your lips, it's with your heart. And if our hearts were to be merry tonight, we'd have no problem giving a genuine smile. We went to that, that fellowship last night and boy, we enjoyed ourselves. I didn't know hardly anybody there. I was out of my element when it came time to fellowship because I didn't know nobody except for a handful of people. I stood there and I ate my cookies and my Chex Mix and found some people that I finally, I said, I know them. I'm going to go sit down and talk to them. <laughs> it's not my element. Your pastor is not a people person. I, I don't know how to work the room. <laughs> Standing there, but afterwards and throughout the night, man, people come with sugar hands, just genuine. Just, they were happy to be at church. They were happy to serve. They were happy to do what God has allowed them to do. And can I say it encouraged me. It reminded me, I don't have to do any of this. God's not making me. He's not forcing me. Matter of fact, I enjoy what I get to do. It's a pleasure to serve him. A cheerful countenance, God did not design you and I to be fake. He designed us to be real. If I'm going to fake it till I make it, guess what? You're never going to fake it. and You're never going to make it. You can't fake an unhealthy heart with healthy symptoms. We see a merry heart. It'll also be an improving heart. Preacher, I ain't no good. It's okay. It's a, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not an instant fix. It's not a little pill you pop in and everything's better. Look at verse 16 and 17. We find out it's an improving heart. Verse 16, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble there within. Verse 17, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Preacher, what do you mean? It's an improving heart. It seeks for better. It desires better. It de desires improvement. Both these verses, we see the word better, which means improving. 
need to step up. A healthy heart desires something better, more than just wealth, more than just things. And can be honest with you, I don't think I've ever rode down the, the, the road, or the, rode down the highway or the road and said, you know what, I want me a fat ox. Or a stalled ox. What is it? That's a fat ox. <laughs> I don't think, I, I never run, man, that's one good, good looking cowboy. I wish I could put it in the minivan and take it home with me. But we all have an ox somewhere. We all have something that we desire that catches our eye. And we say, boy, if I had that, life sure would be better. No, it wouldn't. Because things don't make life better. What makes life better? The fear of the Lord. Verse 16. Better is little with the fear of the Lord. That reverence, that respect, that acknowledgement that there is one greater than me. There's one bigger than me and better than me and stronger than me. And I get to serve him. Fear the Lord. But only fear the Lord and express love. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is. <laughs> me and Miss Becky didn't go to Hawaii when we got married. We didn't take a 19-day a cruise somewhere. Preacher, where'd you go? We borrowed somebody's lake house up at the lake. <laughs> what kind of car did you drive off in? Was it an old Mustang? Was it a convertible Cadillac? No, it was my 1997 Mercury Mountaineer. <laughs> what fancy places did you eat at? <laughs> Arby's. <laughs> Zaxby's. <laughs> we got out of the lake house and Brother Bill Beasley said, he said, y'all can, whatever you want in the house, y'all can help yourself too. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe he was like slick and he put some good stuff out there. Um, prime rib, you know, <laughs> those kind of, kind of things. We get there and there was a, a pack of chicken ramen noodles. That's all that was in the entire cupboard. <laughs> I, I flipped it over, they were three years expired. And by the time we got out there, every restaurant was closed. I said, well, we'll eat this. Well, our first meal together will be chicken ramen noodles. We opened it up and we cracked open that seasoning packet. And it smelled like peanut butter. <laughs> Let Miss Becky, I said, I declare fast. <laughs> oh. We look back at those days and we say, thank God, God gave us love for each other. We didn't have nothing else to give. It'll be an improving heart. Better is little to know that God loves you. He died for you. Rose again for you. And is coming back for you. That makes those bitter herbs taste real good. I don't have a whole lot down here. But I do have a whole lot somewhere place called heaven and an improving heart and then finally tonight I'm done y'all made me enjoy preaching tonight amen don't let me go to no more fellowships <laughs> verse 30 it'll be an exposed heart be an exposed heart look at verse number 30 the Bible said the light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart and of a good report maketh the bones fat you ever had someone pour their heart out to you and it was more than you expected. And you think, you didn't have to tell me everything. You didn't have to expose all the facts. I didn't need to know all of that. 
But it's not just exposing our hearts to other, but rather what are we are exposing our hearts to? Remember Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look at verse number 30. Excuse me, yeah, verse number 30. The light of the eyes rejoice. Simply put, what are your eyes looking at? He said the light. Psalms 119 says the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Preacher, my heart needs some help. Well, change what you're looking at. We spend a lot of time looking at our circumstances, don't we? We spend a lot of time looking at our problems and other people's problems. Can I say you don't get no help from looking at other people's problems? Because you're going to find out they got as many as you do. What do we get by looking at the light? The word of God tonight. It's the word of God, a light, a lamp, a, a heart that is exposed to the word of God will be a settled heart and a rejoicing heart, a healthy heart. Tonight, there's two hearts. Y'all can make your way to make some music tonight. We're going to have a time of invitation this evening. Maybe the Lord's dealt with your heart this evening. And he thought, preacher, I thought my heart was in good condition. And the Holy Ghost brought out some things tonight. He didn't bring them out because he's mad at you. He's brought them out because he wants your heart to be better. He wants to improve your heart. Now, how healthy is your heart? And let me ask you, could it be healthier tonight? Let's stand this evening. As they're making music.